You can't compare the large, globally systematic, important banks to regional community banks. Regional community banks want to grow and scale. They're not mismanaged. The only way for them to grow and scale is to offer a better level of service and to offer lower rates than the big box banks do mm -hmm. for their loans and higher rates than the big box banks do for their deposits. I guarantee you JP Morgan's going to go in there when they buy, when, uh, when they close on their First Republic deal, okay, and they get in there and they start actually actively managing it. Mm -hmm. And they're going to do some pretty interesting things. Number one, the service level proposition is going to go down. They're, you're not going to have the same community bank feel. No, no, no. Your, your bank is going to have a completely different system to work in. There's going to be a lot of consternation. They're not going to understand the total relationship. Yeah, a lot of that workforce is going to be wiped out because they have efficiencies in their own operations already. And then they're going to say, guess what, depositors? You know how they were giving you that? 4.75%? Yeah, we're not doing that. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, Relax your mind and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Welcome back to the higher standard, everybody. Said Omar's feeling extra sassy today. Say hi. Extra sassy. Welcome back. Son of a bitch. Well, I don't know what else to tell you, America. First public fuck us all. <laughs> I don't know, man. Not according to J.B. Diamond. Jamie Dimon has a vested interest in spinning the narrative, but we'll get into that. Yeah. First Republic, as you probably all know now, got seized and then sold at the same time. Damn. Seized and sold, baby. For pennies. We would all be so lucky. Charlie Munger, of course, has to do what Charlie Munger does best and sound an alarm. And he rang that bell loud as shit, got picked up today. Left the crypto bros a lot away this time. He's like, no, y'all good this time? Yeah, un uncharacteristic swerve from him. Yeah. He took a, took a break from bashing everybody in Web3. Then, uh, well, we're going to talk in detail about what happened to First Republic and how we got to where we are today, mm. much like the big Silicon Valley Bank episode that we did, which you should probably check out. This one, we're going to talk a whole hell of a lot about what brought First Republic down. Right. I almost saying Mary J. Blige. I was, obliged. I was thinking in my head, <laughs> what's going down? No. No, not, never a fan, dude. Really? Yeah. I think in the, in the early 90s, she was big. She was good. And then she just got weird. Yeah, too much. Right? Too much for me. Well, according to the Wall Street Journal, First Republic Bank is seized, sold to J.P. Morgan in second largest U.S. bank failure ever. Mm -hmm. And the third this cycle? Third? Third this cycle. No, fourth if you count Silvergate. Let's count Silvergate. So four banks now have failed. This is the second biggest ever. Second to Washington Mutual. Washington Mutual, which... Ironically had, I mean, they were a thrift, so they had way more loans than they did deposits. They only had a little bit more deposits than First Republic did. Fun fact of the day, also purchased by J.P. Morgan Chase. Yeah, man. Jamie Dimon out here is just pimping. But we'll get into how he comes in like a savior, 
but really worked out the deal of a lifetime. This man put pennies down and picked up $100 bills. Upside only. Yeah. No the, downside. The technical term for this is the Uchi Wally Wally, the Uchi Bang Bang. Oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, what you need, Jerome? Throwback. Okay. Hey, get my attorney. Tell him we're giving the Uchi Wally Wally again. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. no, we're going to buy him. Yeah. We're going to buy him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the way this worked was the, the market largely knew this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think everybody kind of knew the Friday before this happened, going into the weekend, mm-hmm. that the bank was likely to be seized because there was a dramatic drop-off in their stock price over the, the whole week preceding this event. Right. And leading up to the Friday, where they lost 50% of their value again, which was already down over 90%. Right. So they, they were already bad, but then they lost 50% of the, almost 50% of their value. Actually, I think it wound up being a 50% of their value. And it was getting so bad because of their massive earnings miss, but... Oh, so no, they did better on earnings, but it was a massive evident loss of $100 billion in total deposits. Yes. So we knew going into it that they got a $70 billion loan mm-hmm. from the, the Fed. They got mm-hmm. a $30 billion loan from 11 banks, one of which was J.P. Morgan Chase. Right, exactly. So, and, and they, they all had They had a quarter ago, they had $200 billion in deposits. So for them to come out and say that they lost $100 billion in deposits. That's half. That's about half, ladies and gentlemen. I can do math, kids. We did it. We did it this time. Good job, bro. Yeah, we did it. Pound it. Half, yeah. yeah. I love pounding you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So as the stock traded down to below $4 a share, people were like, oh my God, this is going to stop. And I want everybody to be clear here. Mm. The stock price was not the reason that this happened, okay? Yeah, because that that happened a long time ago. I mean, they were down 95% for a while. Yeah, so really... The stock price is somewhat irrelevant to how solvent a bank is, but the problem is the stock price going down and making the national news and blowing up on social media, bringing in the retail traders, Mm -hmm. meant that people were freaking out saying, oh shit, I gotta get my money out of this bank before they go down. Right. And the sad part part about that is that the retail investors are the fourth on the list to get paid out. So usually how, how this works out is... Depositors get made whole first, yes, sir. and then you got your general unsecured creditors, then you got your subordinated debt, and then you have your stockholders. And generally speaking, stockholders are the ones that are going to take the massive loss. Like in Silicon Valley Bank, they got entirely wiped out. And analysts are predicting that for First Republic, they will get completely wiped out as well. Now, the good news is their stock price is only down. I mean, they were $144 a share at one point. Mm-hmm. They were down to less than $4 a share when this all happened. Yeah. Not to say that that's what they're going to get paid. There's still a lot of debt that gets paid, gets paid ahead of that. Right. So $3.51 at the close. They did not trade today. This is Monday, May 1st. They won't be trading tomorrow. They're not going to be trading ever again. Yeah, yeah they're done. It's a wrap. Yeah, it's a wrap. Jamie Knight was laughing his ass all the way to the bank. So this almost brings us current, except for one little teensy-weensy little thing. Teensy-weensy? Teensy-weensy. So if you go into the weekend on Friday thinking, okay, maybe the Fed or somebody will put together a plan to save them, you have to, you're essentially ignoring the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, the FDIC's main job to protect the depositors. Right. And now it it had been a pretty clear conclusion that the more time that went by, the more likely it was to damage the depositors, those first people to get paid out. Yes. Right? So the Fed had no choice but to act this weekend, which is why so many people kind of saw this one coming. Right, which it's a key distinction here. So First Republic didn't just come outright and get purchased. No. First, the Fed seized them. The FDIC seized them. Yeah, yeah. The FDIC seized them, and then they portions of their assets were purchased. 
Yeah, not entirely. So let's get into the details here. So JP Morgan said it will assume all of First Republic's $92 billion in deposits, insured and uninsured. It is also buying most of the bank's assets, including about $173 billion in loans and $30 billion in securities. Mm. As part of the agreement, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation will share losses with J.P. Morgan on First Republic's loans. The agency estimated that its insurance fund would take a hit of $13 billion in the deal. JP Morgan also said it would receive 50 billion in financing from the FDIC. Mm. Wow. It's a so lot of billions. A lot of billions being thrown around here. So, um one key thing to know here so at the time First Republic was noted to be the 14th largest bank in the nation. And honestly, I know there's a lot of criticism. Yeah. I was a huge fan of the model. Yeah, me I, too. I liked them. Yeah, I really me too. Did. I actually know people that banked with him and had nothing but amazing things to say. Service was exemplary. Right. It really was. Exactly. You got that concierge service feel. Yeah, I think you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so when you say that, you know, there's there there's a lot of upside and not as much downside for JP Morgan. What does that what does that mean? All right. So Jamie Diamond pulled the Okie Doke, aka the Uchi Wally Wally, the Uchi Bang Bang. Mm-hmm. And what he did was he got together with ten other banks. And originally gave them thirty billion. Part of the hundred billion they tried to come up with to shore the hundred billion dollars, and now right. what we now know was deposit losses. Right, and we know that J- Jamie Dimon also came out and said that of that thirty billion, I think J.P. Morgan gave five, and correct twenty five. That other twenty five billion will be given back. Right. So for the five billion they put in, mm-hmm. he now had an opportunity, and it came down to PNC and J.P. Morgan putting in bids on Sunday. Final bids. So crazy, man. Final bids. So they put in their final bids. JP Morgan wins with their final bid on the assets. But so for him putting in $5 billion mm-hmm. and making his bid, that original $5 billion investment now allows him with his bid, obviously there's a purchase price here, which was not disclosed fully. He gets $50 billion in financing from the FDIC. They share in losses that may be realized as part of this. Mm-hmm. And he walks into upside potential. And everybody's saying, okay, well, what kind of upside potential is it? The loans that they made, First Republic, Right. were largely jumbo single family residence loans. Right. A lot of them in the tech sector, a lot of them in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. And that's where the majority of the losses are, but like all banks, including JP Morgan on some level, all yeah, all banks. They made loans over the last 14 years where l- rates were historically lower than they'd ever been hit before. Right. For a longer period than they ever been before. Mm-hmm. So if your weighted average coupon over let's just say 2022 or 2021, was three and a half or three point seven five percent. Well, guess what? Those loans today in the same in today's market would probably be going out at six and a half or seven percent. Right. So they they just basically had they did a bunch of loans with low rates, but they were also known to do some relatively healthy loan to value loans too. And high loan loan dollars. They, yeah. They're big, 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 big loans to big big players in the Silicon Valley. Right. This this is this is not you know the same. Type of bad loans that were being made in 2008, 2009, 2010. You know, that, that wasn't the case. Those loans going bad. So, prior to this, the old logic was banks really only fail when they take credit losses. When people stop paying their mortgage payments and you take losses mm-hmm. and then have to go through the legal process to get your money back, right. usually a foreclosure or some type of uh, bankruptcy proceeding to get paid. For a long period of time, you're not getting paid interest on your money, and then you take losses. And generally speaking, when you recover your money, it's usually less than you're actually owed because of whatever that, that happened that got you there. Now that you got legal fees and all sorts of things that come up right. that be deduct- deducted out. Well, these last round of banks didn't fail because of that. 
Right. They failed because there was a run on deposits. AKA the 100 billion. The 100 billion in this case. In Silicon Valley's case, Peter Thiel tweeted out and a bunch of the people said, hey, pull your money out of Silicon Valley Bank. Right. They're, they're not doing too well. Well, then they have to sell off. The bank has to sell off assets. Yes. To try to shore up their lack of liquidity, the lack of money they have to give back people, so, depositors their money. So just as a refresher for everybody, um, the FDIC insures up to $250,000 per depositor at an, at an institution. Correct. So at, let's see, I have it here. Uh, at Signature and Silicon Valley Bank, both of those had 90% of their deposits were considered unsecured. Uh, uninsured. Uninsured, I'm yeah. sorry. Meaning that they were above the $250,000 threshold. Because they catered to a high net worth audience. Right. So yeah. like they weren't dealing with as many like, you know, moms and pops. They were dealing with larger corporations with hundreds and millions of dollars in their accounts. So I think we cited like Roku had like $400 million yeah. just sitting, <laughs> sitting in an account. So First Republic had 68% of their deposits mm -hmm. that were uninsured. And look, I mean, granularity is really important in the banking sector, but you can't grow and scale a business like a bank with granularity. Mm -hmm. You can't grow and scale to billions and billions of dollars in deposits, which turn into billions and billions of dollars in loans, mm -hmm. trying to collect $500 in accounts or $1,000 in accounts. I was thinking about this too, and I was actually talking to one of my neighbors about it. He came over and was asking me, I was like, you know, that, that $250,000 you know, insured limit mm -hmm. really should be re revisited. I mean, I mean, really? Why? Why would it have to be revisited? Mo know. How many people do you know? Honestly, just know, the money supply out walking there around that has more than that in there. No, in their me pockets. personally, I don't. I I don't know that, but it's it's not. I mean, if if and I get it. If they have to insure it more, then it's going to cost the banks more to you know deposit more into the insurance fund. Barun, do me a favor while while we're having a healthy debate here. Google how many people in America have two hundred fifty thousand dollars in their in cash or not. Maybe we can come up with a statistic. I think I think you'd be surprised. It's like over ninety percent of America has less than that in cash. Oh no 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 that I, I I'm certain of right. But like just to give you know businesses and corporations uh, more of uh, more flexibility. All right. According to the 2017 Go Banking Rate Survey, more than half of Americans, 57%, have less than $1,000 in their savings account. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I think the buck stops there. Yeah. Here's a percentage of the 8,000 survey respondents who have $0 saved, 39%. Less than $1,000 saved, 18%. dollars to $4,999. 12%, 5,000, just under 10,999, 9, 6%, and 10,000 or more saved, 25%. This is also a random survey, so... like Survey of 8,000 respondents. Uh, well, uh, well, why don't we do this? Google how many, how many deposits are uninsured oh, in the United States. I had that number not too long ago. But you don't have it now. Uh, come yeah. on, let me, let me get it before he Googles it. What was it? 40 okay so they account for so uninsured deposits are ones that exceed the $250,000 limit uh, insured by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation FDIC mm -hmm. which was actually increased from 100,000 after the global financial crisis mm -hmm. they account for roughly 40% of all bank deposits there you go mm. that's as of April 2023 yeah good article good pull i want to say like like a trillion dollars in deposits are uninsured yeah, I mean, look, I, I buy that, but look, so I look at all that stuff and I think to myself, okay, do you really need to revisit it or does it come down to, do we need to change? Well, I shouldn't even say change. Should banks be 
demonized for this. So people have been saying these banks failed because of poor management. I call bullshit. I don't think so. No, look, we know it's it was a high interest rate environment. Low interest rate environment. No, well, that led to the high interest rate. Le- I got that, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I, I, that, so, ca- that caused the run on the banks. Yeah, you can't stress. They, they stress test the interest rate risk uh, at banks at 4%. It's kind of yeah. like the, the barometer. Right. Yet you increase rates 5% in the year, and you're like, oh, shit, they, they all got caught off guard. Well, yeah. They don't even stress to a number of 5% that you increase rates in a single year. Yeah, exactly. The fact that some They weren't planning for this shit. The fact that the earnings that came out, and they were still profitable. Still profitable. Well, no, they were, they were profitable, and they, they beat the earnings per share estimate. But the fact of the matter was- they didn't have enough cash right. on hand to pay back the depositors that wanted their money back. And in order to come up with that cash, they had to sell off assets at a pretty significant loss. Right. And instead, they borrowed a shit ton of money from the Fed, $70 billion, mm-hmm. got another $30 billion in deposits, and those $70 billion was high cost. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. none of that gave the consumers confidence. They kept trading lower. The news kept getting more and more bad. Yeah. And as it got more and more bad in the media, People just wanted to pull their money out. They just didn't believe they were going to be there the next day. Yeah, this was this was inevitable, right? And actually, the FDIC had to make an exception for them because they already apparently had more than 10% of all deposits, and that's something that the Fed didn't want them to, you know, that that's something that's regulated, I guess. So they had to make an exception. And I guess per Wells Fargo, at their research, uh, J.P. Morgan's net deposits would increase by three percent as a result of this deal. God damn! God damn! That's so insulting to them. So they already had above ten percent. I don't know what what that number is. So maybe it's like around ten or eleven percent. Uh, capital? Yeah. No, of, of deposits. Oh, okay. So, the, so the FDIC has interesting limits on like your ICS sleep account deposits, core deposits versus non-core deposits. There's there's ratios and limits for everything. So it wouldn't mm-hmm. so I, I have to know what, what it was that triggered it. Maybe it was like tier one capital or something mm-hmm. like that. But not not important for the for the general consumer to, to know. So I wanted to but I wanted to ask you what can what can other banks do or what are banks doing right now to hedge themselves to prepare? Oh man. Okay. So I will say openly and honestly that I, I am a banker. Okay, so mm-hmm. I do have a bit of a bias here, which is hard for me to divorce myself from a little bit because I look at this and I think to myself, this could have been handled better. Mm-hmm. And I'll be clear as to what I mean by that. So we didn't have, to, I understand the Fed's concern is monetary policy and, and unemployment. Mm-hmm. Fair. I understand they're worried about hyperinflation. They didn't have to increase rates at the cadence they did. If we increased two and a half percent in one year, mm-hmm. you would have been below a banks for stress testing too. And yeah, it would have been a painful, longer period of time. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, every single economist that I see that it's out so there right far, now. So far, it doesn't really feel like we've been, according to a lot of people, there haven't been feeling a lot of pain. Well, the consumer hasn't yet. But yeah. the pain comes after this for the yeah. consumer. And that's yeah. the big misconception. People are like, oh, yeah, all these banks were mismanaged. Ha, 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 And it's like, okay, well, I don't think they were, candidly. These are very smart people, very talented people. And they were running their banks with a model that worked right up until the Fed took an unprecedented, never before done like step. Right. And now all of a sudden we're like, oh, you guys didn't predict the unpredictable shit. Yeah. That's not fair. That's the element that a lot of people are missing. Like, well, oh, it, these are the look at these greedy banks starting to go down. You guys are getting what you deserve. It's like, wait, hold on now. Yeah, and it's not like, it's not necessarily the truth. I right. mean well, the problem was the, here's the real problem. Okay. They are you can't compare the large, globally systematic, important banks to regional community banks. Right. Regional community banks want to grow and scale. They're not mismanaged. The only way for them to grow and scale is to offer a better level of service 
and to offer lower rates than the big box banks do mm-hmm. for their loans and higher rates than the big box banks do for their deposits. Right. I guarantee you JP Morgan's going to go in there when they buy, when, uh, when they close on their First Republic deal, okay, and they get in there and they start actually actively managing it. Mm-hmm. And they're going to do some pretty interesting things. Number one, the service level proposition is going to go down. They're, you're not going to have the same community bank feel. No, no, no. Your, your bank is going to have a completely different system to work in. There's going to be a lot of consternation. They're not going to understand the total relationship. Yeah, a lot of that workforce is going to be wiped out because they have efficiencies in their own operations already. Right. And then they're going to say, guess what, depositors? You know how they were giving you that? <laughs> 4.75%? Yeah, we're not doing that. Right. We're JP Morgan, motherfucker. You're, in, you're, you're, you're insured. You're, you're stable. We're down to three and a half. Yeah, not even three and a half. Bro, I got a... I think an email from there. Well, actually, no, that was 3.8% is the revised one. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be lower. So all the deposits are going to get repriced down. And anybody wants a new loan, they're going to be like, hey, man, do I get that uh, 3.5%? They're going to be like, no. Yeah, so is that how it works for the listeners? When you have a, a deposit account that, you know, a new one that people are signing up for because of the higher interest rates, mm-hmm. uh, whenever the bank feels like they could readjust that down? Yes. Okay. Deposit pricing can always be readjusted it's not, down. It's not like a certificate of deposit, like a CD where no. your rate is locked in. That's the... That's the benefit of having a CD. Yeah. So the, the the banks will pay you as much as they need to to keep you there. Yes. And in an interest rate increasing economy, people can call up the bank and try to get what they want. Right now, everyone's like, I'm going to break my CD uh, you know, with, with the penalty because I can go make more money doing this. If you had a CD like a year and a half ago at 1%, yeah. break your fucking CD, man. Yeah, exactly. Go, go take your million dollars or your $100,000 and dump it into, you know, in, into a savings account right now for 5%. Right. Exactly. You know, get a CD at a, at a much higher rate. You can do that. Mm-hmm. Go into treasuries. You do whatever you got to do to make more money, but you, you can make more money. And I'll ask you this is, you know, is your 1% CD break fee significant enough to to stop you from going just, into yeah, something? Just basic math. A lot of people are just missing the ball. They're, just, well, they're not know, thinking about it. Right, yeah. yeah, situated. You know, all of them in news and mm-hmm. it was it was all up in your face. And then Charlie Munger decides, you know what? Wait, 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 before you go there. Before I'm going to chime in, bitches. <laughs> I know. Charlie Munger wants to definitely chime in. But so apparently this is going to cost the deposit insurance fund $13 billion. $13 billion with so, a B. With a B. Not with an M. We already know that uh, Signature and Silicon Valley Bank tr- cost them over $20 billion. Now yep. this is another $13 billion. Yep. I mean, man, you know, they're praying that this this is the end of it. But the, the benefit to this. They're, they're not sure, though. They they were the FDIC, the Fed, everybody was on edge today. Hold on mm-hmm. a second. Sound effects. Yeah. What is he drinking now, ladies and gentlemen? He's drinking. I went from no in my defense, I went from orange. a sour ale to a blue moon tropical wheat so light sky. My man's got pink shoelaces on, drinking a light sky blue moon with a hair clip in his hair. There's a lot going on here, Chief. Bro, your toxic <laughs> masculinity doesn't scare me. Listen, oh, hold Come on. At me, bro. Oh, just for the record, okay, I'm rocking the shoes, I don't which I normally to, wouldn't even be wearing during the show. I don't know how to tap you, dance around and that. And what the fuck are you color. wearing? Are those like knockoff Vans? <laughs> no, man. What are you doing? These are just some slip-on shoes. But <laughs> you can't come in with that shit anymore. Oh, these are mine right here. Are they not? They've never been I'll, worn. I'll, yeah. I, yeah, I guarantee I can lick the bottom of these motherfuckers right now. No, you can't <laughs> look. Oh, they have been worn once. Yeah, once. Like a rock in the back. Yeah. Okay, it was fine. Chris, are his shoes shoes or boots? Though What? Oh, the ones I'm wearing, he's saying these are these are like some sneakers. No, those are those are like slip on, like those are like knockoff like huh? knockoff yeah. knit bands. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're on Nordstrom Rack. <laughs> you know, Nordstrom Rack is the same stuff that's in Nordstrom's, but it makes you feel like you're getting a discount, right? No, it was just there, man. It was online. I, I got it. What's the big? Who deal? shops at Nordstrom Rack online? Me. 
Bro, that's weird. <laughs> what's weird about that? Nordstrom Rack is the whole point of Nordstrom Rack is you go in there and you like fish see around see for what's like on the deals. Rack? Yeah. Nah, man, hell no, I'm not doing that. That's crazy. So basically, you shopping at Nordstrom listen, and think you're getting a deal, but you're not. Listen, don't come at me with your pink shoelaces and your light sky blue moon right now. Don't do that. I'm not having this again, bro. I'm not. I'm gonna, not intimidated by your toxic masculinity. You should be man. intimidated by the haircut that you want to get or lack thereof. Okay, we're gonna do this on the show. I'll fuck yeah. you. I'll do this on the show with you right now. Okay. Let's right. be fucking clear, okay? Okay, let's do it. Here's here's the track record for everybody listening. I want you to know how much of a villain this bastard actually is. <laughs> this, this, like, this, that that was fucked know. up. They need huh? to know. I'm I'm trying to save you. No, from no, yourself. you're not. No, you're not. From you're being yourself. selfish. No, you're, you're being yeah. selfish as shit. I'll do it. And now gonna, you're lying to everybody else too. I'm gonna send you the photo so so you can you post can, so you can post on the show. Yeah, I hope you do that. You gotta find what, a way, you gotta find so, a way to put it up on the screen. So Saeed is taking a stance with his barber, okay. That he's not going to get haircuts now because the price has gone up a second or third time. Third time? Okay. He increased it 25% again. This is all in one in a one-year span. I understand, but you get a haircut every week, which is fucking abnormal. It's you and the Island Boys that do that, okay? <laughs> the Island Boys. You and the Island Boys are the only people in America that get a haircut every hey, single week. I guess I just gained a little bit of respect for the Island Boys. <laughs> yeah, no. I, didn't think, I didn't think that was going to happen today. <laughs> you got to make it crispy. Get your line in there. <laughs> I don't know. You get some wicks done now? You're not cutting your hair anymore? Are those guys still relevant? <laughs> I don't know. You, you guys get the same haircut. You got to talk to your barber. <laughs> In any event, so Saeed decides he's going to go full island boy, and he's not going to. He's he's going to shave his head at some point. Which, for the record, where if we're, you're seeing this on video, Saeed has not shaved his head. I haven't shaved my head, but it's going to happen this week, allegedly. Okay, mm -hmm. before we go up to mind pump. So to support you, mm -hmm. I say, okay, I'm going to stop getting haircuts too. <laughs> But I'm a transplant survivor. I can't shave my head. Yeah, you can't. No, because you pay, you it looks too like much. it looks like somebody put bullet holes in the back of my head. You pay, you pay like, too much. There's big gaps. You pay too much to have a shaved head. Yeah, I, I, get, I get that. Twenty six thousand dollars. I can't shave my head. I get that. So I respectfully send Saeed a text saying, "Hey, man, I'm thinking about growing my hair out." He says, "I need to see it so before I make a judgment." Yeah, that's a that's a loaded question. That's a loaded position. That's to put fair. Me. That's fair. Though. I can't fuck it. First of all, you Google men's haircuts. It's going to be all attractive dudes with good haircuts. Okay? Like, I understand no, but I'm you, not. But, you, but here's the, my problem with it. You picked this one. You hand-selected this one. What do you want me to Google? Attractive men's haircuts with thinning hair? Like, what do you want me to Google? Okay? By the way, for, all, for, for the listeners, they, for whatever reason, if this show episode doesn't get uploaded to YouTube, it, guess what? This it'll, is fucked up. It'll make my Instagram stories post. Mm -hmm. So go ahead. You can find me at saeedm.omar. Yeah. That's my Instagram <laughs> handle. <laughs> it went from no social media to dropping handles in this show. Yeah. So I send a picture to this asshole last night saying, hey, man, mm -hmm. like, <laughs> I'm thinking about growing my hair out like this. And it wasn't like anything crazy. It's just a guy with longer hair. It was crazy. Come on, man. Get the fuck out of here. What's, What's so crazy about it? You've never had anything like this. That's <laughs> the point. I said, I'm thinking about growing my hair. I'm supporting you. His, that, that. See, that, that's the haircut. His sideburns. Fuck you. Why are you laughing? I can do like, that. Bro, wait. So you're also not going to have a beard anymore? Like, what's going on? No, we're talking about his hair, not his fucking facial hair, bro. Facial hair is part of hair. That's Get the fuck out of here. You're the only then, person in the world that thinks so that. Then, so Chris sends me this photo, and then I just choose to leave him on red. I said, I'm not responding to this. So I wake up in the morning. I'm like, this motherfucker didn't respond last night. <laughs> and I see it, and it says red. I'm like, oh, fuck you. Yeah. So, of course, I'm like, hey, man. What the fuck? Yeah, he said, damn, bro, silence. Yeah. And I responded, I see the vision that you're going for, but I thought it would be more polite if I just kept my mouth shut. It's fucked up. <laughs> it's that's fucked. really fucked up. Because <laughs> I'll be honest, that's not you. You're not, you're not pulling this off, man. Why not? I know my hair is thinner. You'll, you'll be able to see some scalp, but I can't grow my hair a little longer like that? No, because this guy has a jawline. I'm just being honest. 
He's got a jawline. You Bro. can't pull that off. I'm just being honest. He's got a jawline? Yeah. What the fuck does his chin have to do with his haircut? He can pull it off. It's, it's dense up top, but he's nice and chiseled down low. It works. It works for him. You? I I do not regret my response to you at all. <laughs> and, then, and then I said, this is a big adjustment for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then he says, Chris's response, you're fat. Of all the fucking people in the world to tell me that I don't have a jawline, right? It's you, hungry, hungry hippo. You want to get on a, a body oh, fat got, test right now? Yeah, let's go. Did you try to suck? You tried to do duck face right now, didn't you? You sick bastard. <laughs> so, real quick before we hop on back over to our boy Charlie Munger, um, wow, what one good thing that that does come come of this by J.P. Morgan purchasing, um. First Republic is that it's going to limit the hit the deposit insurance fund takes, and this is the best outcome for the system as a whole. Because if they would have been seized completely and just shut down, I I do think what and this is actually something that I want to ask you: Do you think the fee, the cost for banks towards this fund, it's going to go up, right? It's gonna it's gonna have yeah, to well, go bank, up in the next quarter. Are, so banks are going to have to pay into the fund more, yeah, yeah, just to make up some of the money that had gone out, right? Yeah. But had J.P. Morgan not come in and purchase some of these assets, it would have been even more. So right? the rhetoric today was the contagion. No more banks are going to fail, and if they do, it'll be a smaller bank. Let the contagion has stopped spreading. And all this was designed so that you didn't get like this uncertainty of, oh, they were seized, now what? Right. So that's the whole, that's the whole pitch. It's like they did this whole thing over the course of a weekend so that they would give the consumers confidence without them having to say, we're going to backstop all deposits. I thought it was very interesting, though, that this happened right before the Fed's meeting. So I like that. Yeah. So the Fed meeting is tomorrow, May 2nd, and May 3rd. Yeah. By the, the time this day. episode comes out, it will that will have already passed. And it is widely considered a foregone conclusion, especially after what happened today in the banking sector, mm -hmm. which regional banks got crushed today. And even though the FDIC and the Fed and everybody worked collaboratively to get this deal arranged mm -hmm. and to have J.P. Morgan come out on Monday, I thought they were going to announce it on Sunday evening before the open of the Asian market, some of which had a holiday, but mm -hmm. the Nikkei was still open. Yeah. Uh, but I thought for sure they were going to do it before the Asian markets opened. They didn't. And so I woke up on Monday morning and said, these motherfuckers don't do it right now. I'm going to lose my shit. Yeah. And then after I told you that you were fat. I checked the markets, right? <laughs> yeah. And I this is the first article that came up was the Wall Street Journal one that we started off the show with. Right. Top of the show there. I was like, okay, so they did this. They got out. So the market's going to be firm and confident. Mm -hmm. But it was naive of me to think that that regional banks wouldn't get hit because the market was pricing in the 25 basis points that they expect to happen right. so the market's, on the third. The market has already started to price that in. It's been yeah. priced in now. Yeah. Right? Um, but- it's funny you say that. I know regional banks did take a hit today. All of them, yeah. They did take a hit, but it wasn't like this major sell-off because the, the ETF that I track is the KBW NASDAQ Bank Index. Yeah. And um, although it did show a little bit of a decline, it didn't signal like a major sell-off. No, no. I, I, don't, I don't think anything that happened today was... I think the FDIC and JP Morgan really did the right thing. They protected the economy. They, mm -hmm. they, their mission was accomplished. Yeah. Nobody freaked out and was like, oh my God, banks are going to fail everywhere. Uh, yeah, I, actually, Rune, I saw the article you just pulled up uh, earlier. I was going to talk about it, but we'll do that in a minute. So I, I think the market widely considered this to be a success as far as what they were trying to do. Right. Like they felt good that, that other banks weren't going to fail as a result. And if they did, it'd be somewhat innocuous. But that didn't stop the pricing of 25 basis points, which is a, a big threat to the banking sector, for, particularly for regional banks, mm -hmm. because crushing net interest margin. 
Yeah, yeah, they're, just, they're increasing deposits, which eats more into the profitability of these regional mm -hmm. banks. So all of them got hammered a little bit today. Mm -hmm. uh, but no, I don't think I don't think anyone was like, oh, this bank's going to fail kind of fear. Right. So what Arun just pulled up was an article that talked about Australia and their monetary policy. The last Fed meeting that they had right. was they, they decided they weren't going to raise rates. They're going to keep things you know, stagnant, stagnant, yeah. stagnant, stagnant, the same static, no change, right? static. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just really upset about the whole hair thing. Still, <laughs> like I'm very upset. I paid twenty six thousand dollars for this shit. You can't even just tell me, you, man. You can pull it off, maybe. No, why would I do that? That that Bro, I think I can pull that shit off. What the fuck? That's like, that, that's like a six month commitment so, so that I'm if, trying to get so you. If to my fucking hair is that fucking thin. Yeah, no, like, it's I not, can't. I can't wear not, like a fucking. Like, what, what is your? What you wait, hold right on, now? hold on. I didn't say it was because it was thin. I was like, that's just too much density on top of your head. Bro, that's a lot going on. The opposite of fucking density is thin, bro. No, 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 no. It's Arun, too much. back me up here. He's talking crazy shit again. No, it's too much. Listen. Bro, you don't... He's, he's talking crazy shit, but he's also looking out for you, bro. Okay, listen. Odun, can, can Chris pull that look off? No, that's why he didn't send it to wow. our... Wow. Oh. What, a fucking pause? <laughs> that's, why, that's why he didn't send it to the group chat. He sent it to you because he knows he would have got the politically correct answer from you. No, it was a conversation. First yeah. of all, we have a conversation about working out, which clearly you weren't a part of, okay? Oh, oh there it is. He's butthurt. <laughs> I'm not butthurt. I'm looking out for your health, bro. And we're you looking a dad out for with you, kids, bro. man. We're looking out for you, man. That no, I don't. will uh -oh. not look good. Uh -oh. He's right. So He's I had right. a hair transplant for no reason. Listen. No, that's not it. Your hair looks great now, and you should continue to go to our barber. Our, no, my barber. No, it's not, it's not your, your barber, barber anymore. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's this not my guy. barber. That's right. Room plus one. Thank you very much, sir. You're, he, your once barber. again, he's the voice of reason in this threesome that we're having here. You should go. You should you should definitely go back to your barber. I fucking hate you so much right now. <laughs> if I could walk out of this show, I'd walk out. You can't though. You know, <laughs> yeah. you've already it's already been so long. I fucking hate you. All right. So Australia kept their central bank rate stagnant or static static i can't even speak to them so pissed off static last that's yeah. when they met yeah. and now this meeting today actually well tonight they so it's their daytime now so tonight they actually increased 25 basis points and only one i i think firm in australia had actually called it and they even called it like a slim probability mm -hmm. so their market right now is freaking out right because they didn't expect an extra 25 basis point increase wow so i what i will say is is if they don't increase rates on the third in the United States, mm -hmm. the market will swing upward in a positive way. And when that's not what the Fed wants to do. That's not what the Fed wants to do. If they do increase it, which I think is widely, again, considered the consensus, mm -hmm. then I think the market's already priced that in and nobody takes a huge hit. Right. And then the interesting thing that everyone will be looking for is what does Jerome Powell come out and say afterwards, right? So Because he's going to, there's no way he cannot address First Republic. Well, and that, that's the beauty and the timing of this, right? right. So I, if, if this was going to happen, I sincerely wanted it to happen before the next Fed meeting. Yeah. If for nothing else, that the conversation would be in the minutes of the meeting. So right. today, as we sit here, this is May 1st, right? Right. So this is the Monday after this, after this, all this whole debacle went down. It was announced this morning before the open of the market. Right. First Republic stock did not trade today. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow, May 2nd, Tuesday, the Fed meeting, the FOMC meeting starts. Begins, yeah. And then on Wednesday, that's when you get the conference where they come out and talk about it. And then out shortly after that, you get the press release and everything else when you mm -hmm. get the minutes and all those things. But if you recall the last meeting, when they raised the 25 basis points, it was largely considered to be 50, 50 basis points of potential. And the reason why they cut it down to 25 basis points was because of what was going on in the banking sector. So will this be enough? To put pressure on them. And will they acknowledge this in the Fed minutes? Will they say, okay, we're going to raise 25 basis points, but 
we are going to acknowledge the stress in the banking sector finally, which they haven't mm-hmm. done. They've been trying to pitch this all about one, as one-off bullshit that doesn't, you know, whatever. So I, I, I disagree with the tactic your, they've taken here. Your boy Jamie Dimon came out and said after he acquired the bank that this was the last of it, guys. Yeah. Nothing to worry about anymore. So it's like the, all, all the bad banks have gone down. Maybe there'll be one, one more small one, but that's not a big deal. So maybe that was something that he had to work out to make sure he come out and said a public statement because he knows 25 basis points is coming. Can I talk about Charlie Munger now? Oh, I love I love me some Charlie Munger. All right. Which, by the way, him and his boy, Warren Buffett, they're known to be helping out banks. And this time around, they've been sitting on the sidelines. Yeah, and he's been so focused on tearing a cryptocurrency a new asshole that they haven't really said a whole lot. So when I saw this in the media, this made all national headlines today. Of course. Anytime like when this Charlie thing, Munger speaks, yeah. people listen. Shut up and listen. Yeah. But he came he came out hot. Yep. Like real hot. And I actually quoted four lovely paragraphs from this article. So for those of you who who like to laugh at me whenever I read things in a really fucked up, terrible way, this is probably going to be your opportunity. <laughs> Billionaire investor Charlie Munger, vice chairman of Berkshire Hathaway, sees trouble ahead for the U.S. financial system because American banks are, and I'm quoting here, full of bad loans, end quote. Mm-hmm. Due to falling property prices in the country in a situation that see that seems very similar to what caused the banking crisis in 2008. And this is Charlie Munger, one of arguably the best financial minds we have ever seen. Yeah, but the bad loans are not the same kind of bad loans, though. I didn't, I didn't like that. We'll get there shortly. I didn't like that. Okay. And as a transplant survivor, I'm still very offended by your lack of appreciation of the struggle that I've gone through. To maintain a hairline so that I can be at the barber with you. I feel like you wear pink shoelaces to get people's eyes to distract it away from your hairline to look down at your shoes. Okay, now you're taking personal shots. <laughs> why why you're pink? Personal bro? shots, bro. I don't get the pink. I will slap the shit out of you on camera. <laughs> That's fine. Ruin, if I tell you to point to go to the middle camera, I want it to be a wide shot of me slapping the shit out of him, That's okay? Why then zoom in on two? <laughs> oh, there he goes. <laughs> yeah. He knows. He, he knows. He's ready. <laughs> yeah. But unlike 2008, the bad loans this time are in the commercial real estate sector, not the housing sector like it was 15 years ago, but the potential for devastation is still there. Here's a quote from the article again. It's not nearly as bad as it was in 2008, but trouble happens to banking just like trouble happens everywhere else. Mm -hmm. In good times, you get into bad habits. And bad times come, they lose too much. The Berkshire Hathaway vice chairman told uh, Financial Times in an interview. Yeah. Munger said that the banks were already pulling back from lending to commercial developers as, quote, every bank in the country is way tighter on real estate loans today than they were six months ago. They all seem to be much uh, too much uh, to be in too much trouble. I think that's what he was trying to say. In my defense, there's some quotes there and it's not me reading terribly. It doesn't make sense. First of all, we know that by banks not doing loans right now, it's not just because they're all in trouble. No. Why why, why do banks not do loans right now, Chris? Well, one, because a lot of them have receding hairlines and they're offended yeah, by people like you with your fucking opinions, okay? Exactly. And two, because if you make a loan today, today, right now, if I made a loan today, Monday, May 1st, mm-hmm. and I made it at 7%, mm-hmm. if the Fed increases interest rates- In two days. In two days- that loan is now underwater by 25 basis points, and the value on the market is less than it would be 
if I were to sell it at a higher interest rate. Right. Or another way to look at it, too, is like, I could just wait two days and make another 25 basis points. Or the market seems really shaky right now. Yeah. I'm just going to wait and see what happens for a little bit. Yeah. We, we, we've made enough profit over the last 14 years. And let's just see where this all shakes out over the next couple months. Mm-hmm. And then we'll get back in the game. Or there's, an, there's a third option. Mm-hmm. You ready? Ready. Okay. Hit me with it. I'm going to slap the shit out of you. Hit me. Hit me. If you're a bank right now uh-huh. and you're a regional bank where and if you're 80% of this lending happens, by the way. If you're listening to this show, if you're a bank, leave an honest five-star review. Yeah. And if you're not a bank, leave an honest five-star review and note that you're not a bank so that we know you're here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But 80% of the lending to commercial commercial properties really happens here. There are larger loans that are out there, like the conduit-style insurance company, life company loans mm-hmm. that are your bigger loans, but your $3 million, your $5 million, your $10, even $15, $20 million loans. Mm-hmm. Those are largely community regional banks, okay? Mm-hmm. So that, that's where the lending takes place. But if you're one of those banks right now, and you're going like, holy shit, we've had four banks go down, Silvergate, SVB, Signature Bank, mm-hmm. and now First Republic Bank. And Silicon Valley Bank and First Republic Bank were widely regarded as good banks, okay? Mm-hmm. Don't demonize the management for what happened to them. I, I really disagree with that, that tact. And again, I have a bias. I'm a banker, so I, I, I grain of salt. Right. That being said, if you're a regional community bank, you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to keep as much capital as I can because if there is another run on banks right. and people start knocking on my door for, for deposits, right. I want to make sure that I didn't deploy that capital and put it out in loans exactly. and that I'm holding extra cash on my balance Yeah, sheet. hey. Mr. Charlie Munger, which we respect and love very much. I mean, is it that far-fetched to think that maybe banks are trying to be a little bit more prudent? Yeah, but see, this is the rhetoric that's in the news right now. The rhetoric that's out there is, oh, banks are tightening. It's a credit tightening. It is not a credit tightening cycle. Sure, Mm -hmm. some lending stopped, okay? But a great example, construction loans stopped. We have tons, tons of multifamily apartment units coming on board. There are more multifamily apartment units coming online this year from construction projects that have finalized mm-hmm. than any year in history. Right. Let that soak in. And most of them are high-end luxury properties with expected rents to be way higher than market will be. Right. But I think and we do have an article to go in on this a little bit later. After these do hit the market, I do anticipate like uh, building permits and building starts for multifamily to go down. So I'm going to address something. This article, by the way, with Charlie Munger from The Street, it's also in the show notes. Please feel free to Please, click and, 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 something, and laugh away. Something that I wanted to talk about, too, I touched on it briefly before you mentioned this article was, you know, they've been known to help out banks and like financial institutions in the past. Like in 2008, uh, Berkshire Hathaway mm-hmm. gave $5 billion to Goldman Sachs, and then yeah. they, they ended up profiting $3 billion off of that. I know. It's, life is tough. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like, I think they even hooked up big on Bank of America as well. Choking on Excuse it? me. That's yeah. karma. No, no. It's like, I was just so many billions. I'm like, God damn. You choking on karma, bro. <laughs> All that hair treatment coming right back in, right back at you. <laughs> you son of a bitch. $26,000. You just shit on $26,000 of work. That's not it. I said, I like your hair now. I don't, you don't need to go to those lengths. I'm saving you six months to eight months of agony and pain. Agony and pain growing my hair? Yeah. You know you can't live like that, bro. I can't stop. We'll, we'll touch on this one at the end and, and just give, give a little foreshadowing for listeners, okay? If you're still around at the 41-minute mark. If you're still around at the 41-minute mark, and you should be, and if you haven't and you just tune back in, shame on you. Yeah. But if you are listening, we have a nice little rainbow. There's At the end of this rainbow <laughs> is a pot of gold, okay? Yeah. We're at the top of the rainbow right now. We're midway through the show. Yeah. At the end of it will be a pot of gold, a positivity, and a nice little strategy if you happen to ever be looking to buy an electric vehicle. We're going to drop some knowledge on you, but we'll save that to the end of the show. Yeah, to end with some positivity. 
So what I'm going to talk to you about is an article from the Dallas Morning News, which dovetails nicely into the multifamily conversation we were just having. I couldn't open this article. Yeah, I know. It's because you're cheap. Yeah, exactly. Renting is still far less expensive in Dallas-Fort Worth than in other metros. 29 other metro areas had higher median asking rent prices in March. Mm. But I liked these two paragraphs for the, to share with the, the, the show. Say, so are you paying attention or are you just over there looking at No, I am. I'm photos. paying attention. I'm trying to pull the stats. I thought you said you couldn't read it. No, I couldn't, but I pulled up my own stats. Oh, fancy. Okay. Nationally, March was the 14th month of slowing rent growth after a 25% increase over the last four years. Mm-hmm. So over the last two years, home prices went up 42%. Yep. And over the last four years, rents went up 25%. So wow. And people th- think this is... And I'm going to go off on a sidebar here after we're done with this paragraph before you get into your data, Mm -hmm. because I think it's important. Median rent across the 50 largest metros in the United States was $1,732, up from 2.5% from a year before. Rents grew faster in smaller units, with studio prices up 4.7%. I mean, this is more average, right? More average across the country, yeah. Riverside, California, Phoenix, Las Vegas, Tampa, Florida, and Austin saw the largest year-over-year declines with the pace of rent growth slowing um, slowing in the Sun Belt cities. Indianapolis, 10.3%. New York, 10.2%. Cincinnati, 9.6%. Oklahoma City, 9.2% led the nation in gains, baby. Right. Oklahoma so, City, I'm repping them. So those cities with the... Largest year-over-year declines hopefully will really help help out that shelter component in uh, CPI. Yeah, but it's really offset by, I mean, look, look, Indianapolis, 10.3%, yeah. New York, 10.2%, Cincinnati, 9.6%, Oklahoma City, 9.2%. Those are the biggest gainers. The mm. biggest decreases are not anywhere near that much. No, no. I know. So you're going to still have, so here's the rhetoric in the news lately has been that Home values are troughed, man. We covered in the last episode, right? Yeah. Home values are troughed. They're going down a little bit. And we went over the data and we explained the whole thing about what this looks like. I think nationally, uh, home prices are down like 6.5% around there. Yeah. Yeah. But everyone's like, oh, last month, prices uh, went up a little tiny bit. Yeah. And people are celebrating this. Really. So if home starts of new, new homes went down, mm-hmm. if existing home sales went down, and... We have less construction loans that are even like being issued, right? Right. And you got all these units coming online. And you look at some of the rental pricing and you look at all these things in aggregate. And the only thing that's really propping up home values over the last month was new home sales rose because that's where everybody went when they couldn't get existing homes. Right. And they went into new homes because they could get a wait list, buy a home. Right. Not to go through the bid there's process. Not, there's not a cases. whole lot of homes on the market right. right now. If that's your only little bright shining star, mm-hmm. that's not a good thing. Especially, yeah, and that whole sector, it should be very interest rate sensitive, right? The fact that there's, they've been holding on strong is just prolonging, you know, the inevitable. Well, and I think people are really, really in denial of the inevitable. Yeah. We have not seen the impact to consumers. And like we have said over and over again on the show, mm-hmm. the pain for the consumer will come after the pain for the financial and tech sectors that we've seen so far. Right. In order, in order for housing to really come down, there's going to need to be like a flood of inventory, right? 
like a huge in order to I don't think I don't think we're gonna have something again like the Great Recession. That no, no. prices that's came, never been that's never been the prediction though. We've always predicted 15, never, 15, 20 percent. Yeah, exactly. And we're almost halfway there now. We're, we're almost halfway there, exactly. So some some numbers on that just as a refresher for everybody. Um, you know, values came down thirty three percent during the Great Recession. That's not gonna happen again. Two point nine million homes were foreclosed on mm-hmm. back then. For this year alone, the expectation for on foreclosures is only 100,000. 100, yeah, that's about right. So you're not going to get that same feel. So the people that are out there saying that you guys can expect the greatest reset in real estate, not going to happen. Yeah, the Patrick Bed Davis of the world. I, yeah. I, I disagree with that. I've always disagreed with how aggressive or, some um, of them have been. But what I will Graham, say is- That Graham kid. Oh, was, Graham Stephens? Is that what he said? I thought so. I thought he's, he's been kind of over all over the fence, like him and Ryan Pineda and those guys who, again, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't really follow their channels like that, but I don't either. But they've they've definitely been. I think that what they do is they they say shit that they know is popular at the moment to get views. I don't know that they say shit because they actually, mm-hmm. I'll I'll say something that's very counter to to getting views, like very clickbaity, because I know it's true, and I'll lose like views and traction on on social media because I just don't give a shit. Right. I don't think a lot. I think a lot of the guy, the guy those guys want to explore past paths that, that they think will give them more views and more content right like you know it's not the same thing right that being said like i look at all this and i, I wind up scratching my head a little bit just trying to figure out exactly why people are so optimistic but no do i think there's going to be a ton of foreclosures no but do i think that we have the highest non-household debt we've ever had yes mm-hmm. right do i think this buy now pay later thing is going to hold people over no do i think ways going to come down absolutely do i think unemployment's going to go up yes yes it's just a matter of time for some of these things to play out though so some people are gonna have to sell their home to come up with the extra cash to 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 get themselves out of this financial situation yes so i do expect to see more inventory in the market mm-hmm. and it, I, I think you're going to start seeing a little more loan payoffs as a right. result of that so uh, room pull up the next article. It's the the building boom is prolonging market pain, which ties right into what you were just saying. That's why I said it, bitch. No, I mean, I was just saying it was a nice segue. I'm giving you a compliment. Why I'm, are you so I'm mean? I'm a professional. Why are you so mean? Okay. Hey, professional. It's from the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, I said that. No, you didn't. Who do you what what, what team what team you play for? <laughs> <laughs> Bro, if I wasn't too ugly to be on camera, according to you, I'd be slapping. <laughs> it's, it's just... <laughs> Now you know why you'll never see us on YouTube. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Too ugly. <laughs> All right. The building boom has helped push unemployment to uh, around its lowest level in more than 50 years. That is perplexing investors who want to see the Federal Reserve switch course on interest rates. So of all industries, mm-hmm. it's the construction space. Remember how previous shows were like, how the fuck is this happening? I, the construction I mean, space is really propping up employment. I can understand how... Uh, you know, the high interest rates affected the tech space. Yeah. Okay. I can understand how it affected the banking sector, right? How it has not affected the construction space yet is beyond me. It's bizarre. It's so like this should have been right there, right there alongside everything else. And um, the article goes on to mention that the issue for investors is that the longer it takes for construction activity and employment to decline, the longer it will be before central bank can cut rates, which is 100% true. They need this this entire industry to decline in order for unemployment to go up, mm-hmm. you know, and for wages to come down. I mean, there's a huge chunk of the population that works in the sector. And this is the scariest part to me. If this is what the the Fed is waiting for in order to to come off their aggressive rate hiking cycle, mm-hmm. we're going to be waiting a while, dude. Mm-hmm. So let's look at some of the charts that that I included. I thought these are much more valuable than the narrative in these articles. So. Chart number one, U.S. construction spending, non-residential versus residential, 
And you can see that going all the way back to 2003. Yeah. All the way to where we're at now. The 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 last boom that we saw was really just after 2005, 2006, probably 2007 is where we saw the non-residential and residential aggregate construction yes hit their peaks. Mm-hmm. Right now, as we sit today, we are way higher. It looks almost double almost right where we were at during the the lead up to the great recession and non-residential is a big ass component of it Mm -hmm. it's literally split almost 50 50 between the two of them residential and non-residential but you are literally at the highest number we have seen i think in history yeah some of the some of the largest uh, construction companies in here in the article that goes on to say that they have years worth of work still ready for them to go Mm-hmm. Like people sign contracts ready. Like we're still ready for a guy who doesn't subscribe to the wall street journal. You sure got a lot of information from this article. I, I I've said from the, a long time ago that I subscribed to the wall street journal. Yeah. I didn't believe you were telling the truth. <laughs> that's your cheap. That's your, no, right. no. you're in your cash. No, in my cash. cash. Yeah. Whatever. The next graph we have is the U S construction employment. Mm-hmm. And it goes on to show you how low it got during the recession. Uh, at least last the great recession anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it d- fell off pretty dramatically all the way to, you know, just after, call it 2011. Yeah. But it is now peaked up to its highest number going again all the way back to 2003 and likely to be its highest number ever in history. Almost 8 million people are employed in the U.S. construction space. I mean, think of it. Okay, so if Jerome Powell and the Fed, all the FOMC members are predicting... 4.6% unemployment rate by the end of the year, which is approximately anywhere between like a million to 2 million jobs. Yep. Well, hey, right here. Yep. Like, that, this is all they need to get there. Take them out. And th- this should have this should have been it. So he's probably looking at this like, come on, guys. Like, what's going on? Yeah, it, it's it's crazy. Damn. But now I do have a theory about this. Now go back up to that chart real quick, Ruben. Okay. So my theory is this. In 2020, the pandemic hit, right? Right. Okay, so. That's why I took that dip. There's a huge dip here in the chart, but most contractors who were looking to build had some time between late 2019 and call it 2021, right? Right. And they tried to figure out the projects that they were going to buy. You could buy land and not have to worry about the pandemic affecting you, right? If anything, you got a deal. Right. A lot of people weren't like trading sales back then. And if you wanted to go see a property, it was difficult. So if you were, you were a developer or a mm-hmm. builder, you had time to think. You had time to get your money positioned to get a construction loan. Mm-hmm. Most construction loans are 18 to 24 months. That's right. About a year and a half to two years. Mm-hmm. So let's say they purchase what does land. That mean? What does that mean for the listener that most loans are 18 to 24 months? Most construction loans, if you're building a property, you can get them as short as 12 months. Most people don't like to get them that short because there's a lot of things that can come up when you build a property. So the life cycle of most construction loans, most constructions will take about a year and a half to two years to complete. They don't so, get all the money up front. So what the, what happens is, is you start your project. Generally speaking, you come in with your portion of the proceeds that mm. your your contribution to the loan, right? Right. The bank will finance the rest of it, and your money is the first in, but it's also the first out. And the bank will then disperse based on how far you've gone on your construction project, certain portions of the proceeds for the work that's been done. Yeah. There's usually third party inspections to make sure that you've done what you need to do. Yeah, every time. And they have the, yeah. the fund control process, which is what this process is called, in place right. to make sure that they distribute funds as you need it to pay contractors that have done work 
that is already done in past inspection. Right. And the budget is provided to the bank and they go over it. And they do a cost validation to make sure that all the all budget is accurate and there's something that's overstated or understated. Right. And then there's also a little contingency component to yeah. give you a little bit of wiggle room. A little bit of wiggle room, depending on the bank, this contingency number can, can change. But effectively speaking, 18, a year and a half to as two we, years to get most of these projects but done. Do you think they give like as much wiggle room as you know that shirt gives you? Man, <laughs> it's a large. It's, hey, you're fitting into larges again. I'm, I'm proud of you. No, I do not fit into it. It's, it's bro, it's, you're you're such a bully, Said. See, he's a villain, bro. Am I not? He my, really my, is. Thank you. Only, oh, be honest. Have, who else am I a bully to other than Chris? Me, everybody. Him, you? Yeah. Oh, you too, dude. <laughs> you attacked him pre-show, man. Me? I stayed. I stayed silent in the no, back. You no, 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 no. I wow. came in with the, Arun. Let, let's be honest. Do you oh feel that I God. came from a heartfelt, legitimately concerned place? Yeah. Okay. There you go. You and come I, in attacking people. I didn't. Know no, you did. You did. But you, you're coming in hot. These See. Last few weeks. See. Hot. <laughs> Chris deserves it. Oh. Oh. <laughs> come on. See, this is the kind of racism against people. Racism. <laughs> racism. Yeah, I know what it is. Don't you don't do like this. half white, half Iranian um, dudes. Um, me. You specific thing about half. You called me a half breed when the show was off. <laughs> I called you a happy? He said half breed. <laughs> he said pick a side, asshole. And I'm that's like, that. they're both technically Caucasian. I don't know. That's not, that's not what I said. I, yes, I would never did. say such a thing. You, I love mixed babies. That seemed the most insincere statement you've love, ever said. I, in my I love all. I love mixed babies. Who says that? Me, right here. This that's guy. a very creepy thing to say. Yeah, what's wrong you with that? You just say I'm not a racist. You have to say I like mixed babies. I'm not a racist. No, I'm Why not. Why are you bringing someone's babies into this? <laughs> what do you mean? You were once a baby. I'm a mixed baby. Yeah, you, I love, so you I love, love you. me. I love you. That's not what you said about my haircut. <laughs> I don't love your haircut. <laughs> <laughs> my poor son. I can only. I was having this conversation with my wife the other day. I'm like, so he's. I guess he's technically half Filipino, which in my mind is really half Spanish, half Islander, but whatever. Everyone, like Filipinos, like we're Asian. And I'm like, are you though? Yeah, they are. They're really technically Islanders, and the Spanish came over and impregnated them. Listen, man, however they identify, that's what they are. I mean, I get it. I mean, and technically, you're Asian because Afghanistan, but it's really Middle Eastern. Kinda. I'm American, bro. Relax. Whoa. Okay. Origin, not not where you are now. <laughs> yeah, okay. I was, like, I was born here. Okay. <laughs> you were manufactured there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you were shipped here. That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> I'm just trying to. This this is a show about the economy, okay? <laughs> but it's the world is a very weird place, and my poor son's like, he's gonna be like Iranian and German and Swedish and French and Dutch and Filipino, and it's just like, I, I'd be like, bro, you're you're a child of the world, yeah. <laughs> like just just give it up, exactly. <laughs> like my 23 and me is very confusing. All right, the last chart I have for you is home renovations and repair spending. Uh, four quarter moving total. And basically what this is, is trying to suggest is that the home renovations and repair spending that you saw it was just dramatically on an uptick mm. going all the way back to 2010 had been climbing and climbing and climbing. And just recently it started to come down on several shows ago. We talked about how people were going from the I, I wants to the I needs. So yeah. you saw people going from I want to renovate to my bathroom to I need to fix my house. And I that's needed, what the focus yeah, was. Exactly. The roofs was, and all was, that, Yeah, right. focus on spending on stuff like that. So clearly the numbers are showing that's where it's at. But that doesn't mean you have less people in construction right. or in the contractor space. That means they're just reallocating funds to different places now. Right. Which means the jobs are still super high. So some for food for that. You know, I'm, I'm good at that. I, I, I feel like... I'll, food. Uh, anyway. <laughs> food. Why are you always thinking about food, man? 
because you said I'm a fat guy with thin hair. <laughs> I never said that. You just said I don't fit in my shirt. Listen, you and you made fun of my haircut, bro. I'm saying you. you Why don't you give me a compliment? Try. Just try. Uh, you can't even do it. You <laughs> son of a bitch. You're such a nice guy. Fuck you. <laughs> you have a good personality. <laughs> You can't give me a second to give you a compliment. You got a good personality. You got a great personality. Yeah. So it's all. So you, you got nice eyebrows. No, no, no. You shit you got on, nice no, no, eyebrows. No, fuck you. Hold on. You shit on my aesthetic for the last hour. <laughs> and the only positive thing you can say about me those, is that I'm a nice those, person. Those Nike, You're a nice person for an ugly motherfucker. Those Nike sweats. Those Nike sweats are, are good too. They're a little tight on the cankles. Yeah, I know you went for that look. I did go for that look. Yeah. I saw Where? LeBron James pull it off. I thought I could do it. <laughs> I was wrong. Where's the smile? What was wrong? You were not LeBron James. LeBron James does not have long hair. Yeah. I know he LeBron tried. James, uh, LeBron Le- James has spent way more yeah. on his hair transplant than you have. I'm saying right now, if, if I can, if I can get my hair looking more right than LeBron, I clearly haven't messed that up. You're winning. I'm winning. Yeah, you I got mean, that on him. Maybe he's just cheap. I got no. He's maybe, not. Maybe he went to Turkey. <laughs> oh man, but yeah. All right, let's talk about why First Republic Bank collapsed. Well, mm. yeah, I already covered this in, in my portion of the notes. Did you really though? 100, yeah, hundred billion in deposits goes out, and I mean, what, what are they supposed to do? Okay, you want to skip the article then? Is that what you want to tell me? Listen, the way the way I know you don't know this because you never go down all the way to to my articles. But when I put my articles in, I find a way to put the, my information into your articles. I'm gonna tell you right now, man. You're you're, you're curating this villain image of yourself. That you're gonna start getting a lot of people DMing you the way that I get people DM when you can, when you first fooled the audience into thinking that you were the nice guy and I was a terrible human being. I didn't do anything. Wrong. I'm saying I find a way to work around what you want to talk I, about. I can handle the social pressure of being demonized. I don't think you can because when when America figures out who you are <laughs> and what you're like, all 18 listeners. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm telling you right now, it's it's gonna be bad for you, bro. Bad news. Yeah, you're you're you're, Let's you're give, not a good person. What we need to do is is give the listeners some uh, some positivity. That's what we need. You're going right to the end of the show. That's how much you want to get out of this. I mean, it's only an hour in. I got another two hours into me, bro. Let's go. But that positivity is gas needed. up, player. Gas up, player. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're dealing with tonight. Yeah. <laughs> gas up, player. All right. Um, so I, I will uh, I will say that. I've been spending a lot of time thinking about like life in general recently. Uh-huh. And I saw you remember that movie Lucy with Scarlett Johansson? Oh yeah. Where so for those of you who haven't seen the show, I won't ruin it, but basically like it's an artificial intelligence like No, no, she she um she's, she's never watched it. No, I did. It? I, no, I saw it. I saw it. I remember. She basically dies at the end, right? She becomes Bro, a, she, you can't fucking ruin movies like that for people. Bro, right when he said I'm not gonna ruin I said the movie. I'm not gonna ruin the movie. Bro, how long has the movie been out for? If you haven't seen this movie, it's it's game over. You're a terrible person. Yeah. That's that's villain shit well, right there. Uh, well, when all That's the kind of guy who's like, I'm gonna ruin the end for everybody. Go ahead. <laughs> you're really you're really trying to pay me out to be a villain, but Arun, I'm not painting you for shit. You just I did said that. I, I said I watched the movie, Arun was like, he's never watched the movie. Arun, I agree with you. It wasn't about artificial intelligence. He's wrong. And obviously, he threw out a random guess. Either she lives or she dies. So. Yeah, I mean, seriously, you're a terrible person. <laughs> okay. I mean, no one's paying you to be the villain. You're you're speaking yourself into villain. Say one other thing about the movie. Go ahead. We'll wait. I have no idea. Because you haven't seen it. Scarlett Johansson's in it. So you, you just you just repeated what I just said. <laughs> yeah. Now you're lying to everybody about what you've seen. I swear to God, I've seen it. You're really discrediting the entire show. Why is this ugly chick talking on the? Why are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. Wow. How are you going to? I don't. Is like that, that a dude? No, oh jeez, I, I honestly don't know. Is that a is that a man or woman? 
That's a, that's a, um, you don't know either. Fuck you. <laughs> you don't know either. I'm trying to save you. I'm, I'm no, I'm not judging. I'm just saying I, I can't, I legitimately, Arun, what is that? What is that? Jeez, you, you're the villain, dude. I'm trying to be politically correct. She's a, she has a mother and a is father. Is that a she? That doesn't make sense. That we, we all have mother. Well, actually, no, I guess people have two, two fathers, two mothers. All right, I'll give you that one. All right, so I'm thinking a lot about life lately. Okay, I watched Lucy. For those of you who haven't seen the show or the movie, mm-hmm. it's about she gets a, a synthetic drug in her, which causes her to have more access to her brain mm-hmm. than any human has had before in history. Like Limitless. A lot like Limitless, but a, a bit of a different spin. Yes. And Morgan Freeman's in it, so there's sexy voice as a narrator of the entire, entire movie. Mm-hmm. I'm Morgan Freeman. <laughs> yeah. Was that pretty good? No? Minus one. I thought it was good. No. No? No. All right. Well, Usually better. Uh, yeah, I can't do Margaret Freeman voice. Yeah. In any event, the, the underlying premise that she openly speaks about in the early stages of the movie is that the only thing that really matters is time. Yeah. And time is the only real perspective that, and there's a clip that that it, like resonates with me from from the movie where... If you see a car drive by you and it drives by at faster and faster speed, mm-hmm. at some point in time, it's driving by so fast that you can't even see it anymore. Right. And that's all about time. Mm-hmm. So I've been thinking a lot about how I can give back to all the people who listen to the show and put okay. their time, their valuable time into the show. And I thought, okay, we need to give some positive financial advice for people. Mm-hmm. We need to find a way to give them a pot of gold at the end of the show of a good financial tip to bait you with love into listening to the very end. So this came up, and I originally wasn't going to put it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. But the more and more I thought about it, the more and more I thought, I'm going to read three paragraphs that are probably a little more robust than I would normally speak about on the show because I think it provides perspective and provides an option for a lot of people who are looking to get an electronic vehicle. Mm-hmm. According to Bloomberg Business Week, a tax loophole makes EV leasing a no-brainer in the United States. An exemption in the Inflation Reduction Act, which we have covered on this show more than once, is worth $7,500 to drivers who lease. Wow. Yep. Now, I was completely unaware of this difference, but the more I read, the more it made sense. You ready? Ready. I'm going to give you gold. This is your pot of gold, everybody. The new federal rules exempt leased vehicles from restrictions on where the car is made, where its battery materials come from, and how much money the consumer makes. The, those stipulations on purchased EVs are designed to promote North American production of battery-powered vehicles. Yep. So going back on that and phrase it differently, this was a way to encourage people to buy American-made electronic vehicles. Yes. And some companies really benefit from this. Some companies really did not. Mm-hmm. Fewer than a dozen EVs qualify for the full $7,500 tax credit if purchased by a consumer. But all battery-powered models benefit from it if they are leased. Because in that case, the Inflation Reduction Act categorizes them as commercial vehicles. The lease option is an IRA loophole. You could drive millions of electronic vehicles, uh, but, but, but electric electric vehicles though. That's that's a weird. No, you could drive millions of electric vehicles through international automakers lobbied for and secured it no. after fearing no, they'd no, be. No. 
The lease option is IRA loophole. You could drive millions of electronic vehicles through. Oh, a loophole you could drive them through. Get mm -hmm. it. Ah, I got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was a cliche, glitchy kind of thing. International automakers lobbied for and secured it after uh, fearing they'd be shut out of the IRA tax credits aimed at stimulating the nascent EV market in the United States. Again, another article where someone just tried to show off their SAT vocabulary. <laughs> Swear to God, what's wrong with these people? Get First of all, it's the cheeky comment. Now this. Just get to the point. Anyway, here's the point. These favorable factors are likely to make leasing the dominant way Americans gain access to EVs. Um, Marion Harris, chief executive officer of Ford Motor Credit, the automaker's lending arm, expects 60% of EV drivers in the United States to lease in the short term yeah. rather than to buy which is three times more than the 20% lease rate of vehicles with traditional internal combustion engines. Wow. Leasing is a big piece of the Inflation Reduction Act, Harris says. The non-U.S. automakers are going to be doing a lot more leasing of EVs, and Ford Credit is going to be a big supporter release. Wow. Um, that's interesting. I've never been a component for uh, leasing vehicles, personally. Um, I like... Avoidable. The three cars that I've had, I've purchased and just held on to for a long time. So I, I like to aim for that period of time of not having a car payment. I do too, but with an EV vehicle, yeah, uh, where the longevity of the underlying battery is somewhat questionable. And an article that came out a week before this was uh, about how Teslas may or may not last too well beyond two hundred thousand miles, yeah, battery wise. Anyway. Mm -hmm. It may make a lot of sense to lease a vehicle, pay less, improve your cash flow, mm -hmm. assuming you can't or are unwilling to pay it, it off. It already doesn't have, you know, the same maintenance fees yeah. that it, that others do. Um, so I can see a world where this makes sense. You wouldn't need to buy new tires and all that. And then replacing it. You wouldn't need to buy new tires. Replacing, replacing a battery, though, is pretty expensive, right? Oh, for an EV vehicle? Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah you, yeah. you would just buy a new car. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, something I, I might I might look into this. And uh, a little food for thought. Uh, Big Daddy's Rivian got a delivery date, baby. Congratulations! October man. through December of this year, and at the same time, my delivery window for the Hummer is also the same time period. So which one are you going with the Rivian? Aren't I, you? I do not know. How are you going? You Hummer? you did you did see, see you you called the Rivian basically Toyota Tacoma earlier. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I just said that it was. I compared it to size. I didn't say it's like a Toyota Tacoma. Like I wasn't. Uh, what is that? I was facial I wasn't, expression I wasn't, reference. What are you trying I, to reference? I wasn't trying to he shit. Tried a, he tried an accent too. I, I know you did like a little head nod. Is that like an Indian <laughs> reference? No, I did not. What, it's what, an what, Afghan what, reference. What, Afghans can Afghans can do that too. I don't. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen uh, Arun. Have you ever seen an, an Indian why, Afghan person? We don't do the head bob. Why do you? He's why, sweet. That's why, him. Why, it's why, it's he, your people. He, also, he does. He watches a lot of Bollywood. Your people. Yeah. He watches a lot of Bollywood. He does a lot of head nod. He would know. That's why he said, no, you're yeah, wrong. You don't do I that. I got it from him. I see him do this all the time. No, you don't see him do that yeah. all the time. But um because it's way more calories than All I said it was I was comparing the size. Nice to have you back on the villain side. Please come back to this side. It's way more fun on the lob. I had to get it. Goodbye, everyone. Yeah. So I will pay you a thousand dollars. You can grab a rim right now. Wait, hold on. I can't grab a rim. Yeah, I know, but he's taller than you. Yeah. Everybody's taller than you. That's a lot. He's a lot taller than me. Um, but yeah, definitely something worth exploring, and I might have to look into this because I'm thinking about selling the Jeep. You've been saying that for a while, man. Give me that. Give me that. Yeah. You talked about buying an EV. Here's the problem. So with the Rivian, 
before the Inflation Reduction Act, I think, went into effect. Was it this year? Mm-hmm. Went into effect? I can't remember. Last year. Last, well, last year. What, before whatever the hell the effective cutoff date was, Rivian sent out to all people who had existing pre-orders a yeah. contract which took their $1,000 refundable deposit mm-hmm. and made $100 of it non-refundable. So you qualify for the previous $7,500 exemption. That's awesome. No matter when you actually got it. Gangster. And I'm getting it below MSRP at $87,000. Thanks for move. But they had, some, they had some recalls, though. Did they get that sorted out? No, they fucking, they bastards. This. So one of my favorite features of the, of the truck was they had this, like, electronic, like, uh... Cover for the bed? Cover for the bed, yeah. It's now manual. Because they had so many recalls that they're just like, oh, fuck it, we'll make it manual. <laughs> oh, Bitch! Man. That was, yeah, that was the part. Yeah, and I mean, they, they lower the price and whatever, but I'm like, that's not, that's not as I nice. mean, me personally, like, the less electronics, the better. The less shit to go wrong. Okay, fine. Yet you want me to buy the Hummer, which is a hundred and twelve thousand dollar vehicle as equipped, versus the eighty seven thousand dollar. But you're saving money on not getting haircuts. You just told me to get haircuts. Yeah, bro, this is very confusing for the audience. I'm you're saying, very deceptive. What you're going to listen to me? I think you're going to go through with it and still grow out your hair. You're not going to listen to me. I am going to listen to you. What you say really matters to me. Okay. And as my co-host, we share a camera together. And the last thing I want people to do is turn away because I'm hideous. So before before our sign off, I got something. I don't want you to do it. Please. I don't know what this is. I know what it is. You grabbed so, the mic very awkwardly. <laughs> for the he, list, co- he corner-eyed me, too. He did corner-eye you. No, not corner I was checking the time. Uh, oh, now um, the time's mattered. You just wanted to cancel the show 12 minutes ago. For the listeners that stuck around, I have um, my favorite poem that I'd like to share. Given the fact that you said time is the greatest commodity. You have a favorite poem? I have a favorite poem. It's actually framed in, in our house. I've and, been to your house, bro. There ain't no poems framed in your house. Yeah, there is. It's upstairs. Hold oh, on a second. Arun, it, do, you, do, you, do you recall ever seeing a, a poem in his house? I cannot. Don't lie. It, yep. used to, it used to be in our dining room at the Riverside house. Now it's oh, upstairs. Yeah, yeah. Now it's upstairs yeah, in our very bedroom. Fake. Oh yeah. Okay. Now it's All upstairs right. in our bedroom. Give me your poem. Please, please take it seriously because I, given the subject matter, if you said time is the greatest commodity, I think it's very important. All right, hit me with it. All right, and this is a, what reminds. What the fuck is he googling right now? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh no, no, no! Don't. We're not showing that. Yeah. This yeah. <laughs> this reminds me a lot of uh, like Lex Friedman. Every time Lex Friedman leaves the. Uh, the Joe Rogan podcast. At the very end, he reads his favorite poem. You know, I've never actually seen Lex. The end of NX, Lex Friedman interview on a Joe Rogan podcast. It's the best. They're great together. Question: Before we go into the poem, are we ending it after the poem? I'll just say goodnight, everybody. Okay. Right, well, yeah. do you want to hit this first? Oh yeah. yeah. I, I want to. I want to read that. Go ahead. Yeah, read, yeah, I'll yeah. do this afterward. Go ahead, read your poem. Okay. So here it goes. She bought things with her heartbeats, dealt in the currency of time. Counted her pulse to track her spendings while she waited in long lines. She wasn't one for banking. Heartbeats aren't something you can save. You either spend them or you lose them until you're lying in your grave. She'd give heartbeats to strangers while she listened to their woes because a heart's worth more than money as far as money goes. She splurged heartbeats on moments on afternoons with age-old friends who asked how happy she was without a dollar she could spend. But money only buys you things, while heartbeats buy you much more. They buy you loud, side-crippling laughter that leaves you rolling on the floor. Heartbeats buy you moments. They buy you tears and hugs and smiles. They buy you time to reminisce with friends you haven't seen in quite a while. Money can't buy heartbeats, and that's a fact you've always known. So make sure each day you're happy with the way you spend your own. I'm going to be honest. Number one, it sounds like a song from the weekend. (laughs) And number two... I'm pretty sure that was the worst thing you ever said in the podcast. <laughs> really? The, yeah. Arun, how many times have I said some shit after where you're like, why Why would you go so long on that content? Let's be honest. Everybody was like, they skipped that. You think so? 
I don't yeah. know. It's, it's it's framed in our house, so a little insight to that. To that, Arun's Arun's not commenting because he knows I'm right. Maybe. Yeah, he knows. I'm I'm leaving him on red. Yeah. <laughs> you know how it feels now. All right, that's I fine. I said, bitch. That's fine. I just I just think it's, it's worth sharing. He's so happy about it too. It's yeah, cute. I am. I am. Bring the comment up so we can so we can tell everybody about a five star, an honest five star review. Title this wonderful review by was it uh, Zach Zach Case Zach Case seventy seven Zach Case seventy seven. What a stud. Great podcast. Easy inter- intro into financial and market literacy for the average dad. Mm. I yeah. Mean, all people, not just dads, but you know what, yeah, for him. Also dads. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also dads. It is a great podcast. I think it's a five-star podcast. It is. Honest five-star review. And this, like many of our other honest five-star reviews, is indeed a five-star review. Mm-hmm. Truly look forward to listening to you guys Tuesdays and Fridays. As a dad of two little kids, small business owner, fucking stud, and new to investing, your content provides easy to understand explanations on difficult concepts. Well, thank you. Yeah, we appreciate you, Zach. We do. I obviously appreciate you more than my terrible villain co-host say does, but nonetheless, we both do, in fact, appreciate you. Right. Yes. You guys, your guys' friendship is evident, is it? (laughs) My hairline would say otherwise. You call this friendship. And it keeps the podcast natural and enjoyable to listen to. Appreciate you, meaning Chris, and keep up, keep it up, fellas. Wow, yeah. see, I like how the, he's mentioning all of us, and you just asked out Arun and through all that. What, what kind of? He's part of the show too, bro. I didn't ask out Arun. Yeah, he said us. You just pointed to you and I. He's right there. Just because he's outside the room, you don't want to acknowledge him. Well, he's not working out. <laughs> we got to go to Mind Pump, bro. I can't have this guy rolling in like that. It's just bad for business. Literally rolling in. Yeah. yeah. This is Pillsbury Doughboy. All right. So, <laughs> Jesus, I'm a terrible human. I also wanted to acknowledge Roland Ross. He sent me a message shortly before we came on. The, the, Shout the out to night. Roland. Yeah. Hey, man. Love the podcast. Been listening to it for a while. The information you put out is on point. Much love to you all, meaning Arun mm-hmm. and you, Saeed. Wow. And obviously, I gave you an honest five-star review. You're the man. We love you, Roland. Appreciate you so much. Love you long time. Not you sure also got a few... Positive five-star reviews on Spotify. Oh, yeah? What are we up to there? I believe 111, 112. Goddamn. Eat your heart out, Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, tell him, Saeed. What time is it? Good night, everybody. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, so be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.